People like to say that, that um, Christ wasn't born on December the 25th, and that's probably true. We don't know when Christ was born. Uh, our celebration of, of Jesus' birth on December 25th didn't arise until sometime later uh, after the early church. I think now, though, I understand how fitting it is why we celebrate the birth of Christ when we do. We celebrate it at the end of the year. And at the end of your year, whether it has been filled with gains or loss, joy or sorrow, maybe fear, struggles or confusion, maybe it's been filled with pandemics or political turmoil, at the end of the year, at the end of every year, we're reminded of hope. At the end of 2020, which has been such a year, an awful year in many ways, we're here to celebrate hope. Let me make a confession to you this morning. I hate Hobby Lobby. Uh, not for any uh, really important reason. It's just that every time I go to Hobby Lobby, I lose interest really quickly and I feel the life seeping out of my body. I also wonder how many ways you can say the same thing in as many different fonts as possible. So you know what I'm talking about, the sign that says, all I need is a little bit of coffee and a whole lot of Jesus. Uh, or now that it's Christmas time, you can find hope or peace or joy in any kind of font that you want. How would you like your hope? Cursive and freely letters on burlap or big bold letters on wood or metal? What I want to do this Christmas season is to take those words that we usually see plastered around our homes or in stores, peace, hope, and joy, and I want to remind us that they aren't just empty, nice words. They aren't just pretty decorations. They are real, tangible possessions for those who are in Christ. They don't exist apart from Christ, and they are true because of Christ. The advent, or the revealing of Christ, is the advent of peace. The advent of Christ is the advent of hope. The advent of Christ is the advent of joy. So over the next few weeks, I want to look at each of these in turn. But I think the basis, if we have hope, if we have joy, I think the basis of all of those things is, first of all, peace. The advent of Christ is the advent of peace. So please turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. I'm going to be in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. And, and let's dive into the advent of peace. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. Let's read. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. 
you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. At one point in college, uh, God led me through a, a time of deep repentance and deep brokenness. And, and I really struggled with feelings of, of condemnation and, and doubts about my salvation. And I, I really had a, a lot of inner turmoil. And, and so I remember during this time watching uh, Kung Fu Panda 2. I think it was Kung Fu Panda 2. And, and the main character, uh, Panda Bear, is on this quest because he wants to find inner peace. He, he doesn't have inner peace. And so his quest is to try to find this, this inner peace. And that's exactly what I wanted. An inner peace. But what God had to teach me through that is that peace isn't it just simply this inner peace. It's not just an experience. No, the first thing that we need to know about peace is that peace is a declaration. Peace is a declaration. And the first thing to notice is that peace is a declaration about people. Look at verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And so the thing that we often associate with peace is like tranquility, right? Having the experience of peace. The thing about inner peace though is it's elusive. Right, the moment that you find peace now, something else comes up to throw you all into turmoil. Right? You do yoga once to get peace, you have to do yoga again the next day to get peace all over again. Inner peace is, is elusive. And often it seems inaccessible because we associate peace, having peace with a station in life. So if only we had this. Or if only I didn't have cancer. Or if only our finances were better, we would have peace. I would have peace. But in this passage, the king of the universe is born. King of the universe is, is a baby. The one who holds the fabric of existence in his hands. And the first people to hear about this king, besides a bunch of barn animals, are shepherds. If you've ever seen shepherds in real life, they're not really like that great to be around because they smell like the animals that they're with. So right off the bat, they're just smelly and they're dirty. And not only at this point, in this society, shepherds are low on the social status totem pole, right? They're, they're not considered like, like a cool job. Like they're at the bottom of the barrel. They weren't respectable. And, and in fact, they're not having just a nice camping trip, they're partially homeless. I'm reminded here of the guys who I took my deer to to get processed. They were nice guys, 
really nice guys, but it takes a, a really special purchase person to work in a slaughterhouse or, or a butcher shop. Um, it's nasty. And kind of weird, actually. Uh, and I think about how upside down it would seem if God decided it was those guys who should hear about Christ first. That just doesn't make sense to me. That's how all these shepherds are. God tells those guys about Jesus first. And so the reason peace is a declaration about people is because peace is declared to you no matter who you are or where you are. Peace is not something that we have to strive for. Peace is something that comes to us. Peace is a reality that comes to us regardless of our station in life or our place. I'm reminded of Psalm 147 where the psalmist declares, He determines the number of stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. The Lord sustains the humble but casts the wicked to the ground. This this is the almighty, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-having God. And who is this God for? Is He for the rich? Is He for the powerful? Is He for the the put-together or the the law-abiding citizen? No, He's a God for the humble. He's a God for the lowly. He's a God for the broken and the looked over and the neglected and the abused. Peace is declared to you today no matter who you are or where you find yourself. So peace is, is a declaration about people and it's, it's not just a declaration about people but it's a declaration about a mission. Verse 9. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Peace comes to us no matter who we are. Peace comes to us no matter where we are. And peace comes to us on a mission. When someone offends you or insults you, you can take revenge, right? So, so when someone offends you or insults you, there's a hurt that happens, usually. You're hurt. And in order to alleviate that hurt, you can take revenge and do to them what they did to you. So I'm, I'm going to take that hurt you caused me, I'm going to put it right back on you so I don't have to bear that hurt anymore. That's one option. The other option is to forgive them. But when you forgive them, you absorb that hurt. You take it upon yourself. Tim Keller said, No one who is seriously wrong can just forgive the perpetrator. But when you forgive, that means you absorb the loss and the debt. You bear it yourself. All forgiveness then is costly. This peace that's declared to you comes through a baby. This baby will one day become a man. 
And this man will one day go to a cross to achieve that peace. God doesn't just come to us and say peace and stay on his throne, safe, you know, away from earth and all our problems. He comes down and he purchases peace. The peace that is ours in Christ doesn't come because God sweeps our sin under the rug. He pays for our sin by absorbing the cost and penalty for it all on himself. You guys understand that the payment God demands is the payment God makes. And he puts himself in his own debt. This means that peace is not just a declaration about a mission, but it is also a declaration about God. Verse 13, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Christmas isn't an advent of peace because we want it badly enough. Christmas isn't an advent of peace because we strive for peace enough. Christmas is an advent of peace because God is the initiator of peace. This is love. And this is love. Not that we loved God. Not that that we were looking for God, but that God loved us. And sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Christian, your hope isn't that somehow you can make peace with God. That's not your hope. Your hope is that God comes to you and He says, peace. Peace. He does it no matter who you are, where you find yourself. He does it through a mission. And He does it of His own initiative. He declares to you today, right now, Christian, peace. It's a declaration. It's a reality that exists whether we feel it or not. But it's more than just a declaration. right? God isn't just saying peace. Secondly, peace is a person. Peace is a person. The, the shepherds, they, they take up the angel's invitation. Verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Peace is a person to see. One thing I've, I've learned about the Gospel of John as I've read it is how often throughout the Gospel, people will say the phrase, come and see. So uh, in chapter 1, the disciples start following Jesus and they ask Jesus where he's staying. And when Jesus responds, he says, come and see. And in the very next chapter, Philip tells you know, his cynical brother Nathaniel uh, that he's found the Christ who is from Nazareth. And, and Nathaniel's like, can anything good come from Nazareth? Nathaniel scoffs. And, and what does Philip say? Philip tells Nathaniel, come and see. And, and this, this come and see, this invitation occurs several times throughout the Gospel of John. So I like to call the Gospel of John the come and see Gospel. The entire Gospel of John is written because he tells us explicitly, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in 
His name. In other words, the invitation to come to Christ is an invitation to come and see Christ for yourself. Come and see for yourself. This flies in the face of our rationalistic culture that only judges things by what you can see with your eyes. You can only trust what you can tangibly see and observe. And so what do people often say? Prove God exists. And what they want is is like this physical evidence that they can see with their eyes and hear with their ears and smell with their nose that, that God is real. And so people assume that because you can't see Him, He isn't real. But here's the thing. We are showing people a God who wants to be seen. We're offering the world a Savior to which we can say, come and see. We're showing the world a God who is very real and very active in His creation. He is really alive and He is really sustaining you right now. And once you truly see, you can't see any different. Peace is a person to see, but secondly, peace is a person to know. Look at verse 16. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. The other side of of seeing is knowing. The person who is the embodiment of peace is a person to know. What the shepherds see is a real person with hands and feet and eyes. What the what all those who the shepherds told needed to understand more about this person. Mary had to ponder and dwell on who this person is. And so one of the great realities that Christians have to hold in tension is that God is both infinite and He's personal. So the Lord is infinite. Psalm 145 verses 10 to 13 All you have made will praise you, O Lord. Your saints will extol you. They will tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all men may know of your mighty acts and glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. God is infinite and He's personal. Verses 14 to 16, The Lord is faithful to all His promises and loving Toward all he has made. The Lord upholds all those who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and you satisfy the desires of every living thing. He's infinite and he's personal. And it's 2020. Peace seems like it's far off, doesn't it? I mean, literally, we're living in one of the most chaotic times in history. But peace is a person to see, and peace is a person to know, and a person who wants you to know Him. 
A person who is so infinite that He rules everything by His power, yet who is so personal, He feeds you with His own hands. When we feed Willa, the easy thing to do, and the thing that I prefer to do, is to give her finger foods or food pouches that she can just eat by herself. So I give her food, and I can just walk away because she's going to eat it herself. But, but God prefers to sit in front of us and feed us from His own hands. He's personal, and He wants to be known. He wants us to ponder the depth of who He is. Charles Spurgeon wrote, or he once said, that, oh, there is in contemplating Christ a balm for every wound. In musing on the Father, there is a quietus for every grief. And in the influence of the Holy Ghost, there is a balsam for every sore. Would you lose your sorrow? Would you drown your cares? Then go, plunge yourself in the Godhead's deepest sea. Be lost in His immensity, and you shall come forth as from a couch of rest, refreshed and invigorated. I know nothing which can so comfort the soul, so calm the swelling billows of sorrow and grief, so speak peace to the winds of trials as a devout musing upon the person of the Godhead. He's a person to see. He's a person to know. And He is a person to worship. Verse 20. And the shepherds return, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told Him. The end of peace is worship. The end of seeing and knowing this person is Worshipping this person. But this, how the shepherds leave, is, is a far cry from how it started. Right? In the beginnings, the, the, the glory of the Lord sh- shines around the, the shepherds, and what happens? They're filled with great fear in the presence of the angel. They're fe- filled with great fear in, in the presence of the glory of the Lord. They were afraid. And this has been true of humanity ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve sinned and God was looking for him, what did they do? They hid. And they told he, God, he told Adam told God, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. When the Israelites and, and, and Moses are at, at Mount Sinai and the glory of God descends on the mountain, what happens? Moses and then the Israelites tremble with fear. They don't want to go close to the mountain at all. And this, this fear that we experience in the presence of God is a result of our sin because every one of us are like Adam and Eve and we want to hide from God when He comes looking for us. When we are confronted with the presence of the glory of God, we hide in fear. And, and Adam and Eve, they tried to hide behind fig leaves, and this is exactly what we do. We, we try to cover our sin with fig leaves of, of, of good works or, or self-righteousness or excuses. And yet, by the end of the story, the shepherds aren't afraid. They're rejoicing. So what's the difference between the beginning and the end? What's the difference between being afraid and being joyful? A baby. 
person of the Son of God incarnate. Jesus Christ. It is only through and in the person of Jesus Christ that our fear turns into rejoicing. That it turns into worship. The shepherds at the beginning of the story couldn't even be in the presence of angels without being afraid. And yet they can be in the presence of God Himself in Christ now that Christ has come. They don't have to hide. They don't have to be afraid. This is the bottom of our peace. Our peace is not whether we can feel it. Our peace is not whether we are doing well in life. Our peace is not because of successes. Our peace is not because of our station. Our peace is in Christ. Because in Christ we can leave the presence of God rejoicing. That's the bottom of our peace. Peace is a person. It's not this immaterial, abstract thing that you can go look for in Kung Fu Panda 2. It's not something that you try to just go to achieve in yoga. It's someone, someone to know. History is going somewhere. The senselessness and chaos of our year and our current times are serving the purposes that Christ has set for them. And this season, we are reminded that the advent of this Christ is the advent of our peace. The whole world can fall apart around us, yet we have peace because God has given us Christ. And that is the declaration. Christian in Christ, you have peace with God. You have all the peace you could ever need simply in the person of Jesus. So I want to invite you, just like those shepherds, just go and spend time in the presence of Christ. Go and see this child for yourself. Because the advent of Christ is the advent of Christ for you. When God revealed Christ to the world, He knew 2,000 years later He had you in mind. He didn't want to just reveal Christ to these shepherds. He wants to reveal Christ to you sitting in this room. So let's rejoice in our peace. Let's pray. Father God, we are thankful that peace is a declaration. It's not something that we can achieve. It's not something that we can work for. It's not something we strive for. It's something that is declared to us. We don't build our Tower of Babel to get to you. You come down to us and you speak peace to us. You give us every reason to not fear. Our, our greatest fear is, should be, 
sinning against you and being condemned for our sin, yet in Christ you deal, you deal a death blow to that greatest fear. So that in Christ, that doesn't even factor into the equation. And even in Christ, when we fear, when we, when we fear what's happening in our lives or in the world, or even if we fear being condemned by you, Lord, you come to us and you say, peace be with you in my son Jesus. And God, that is a gift. And so because you speak peace to us, God, we just pray for mercy. We pray that you would forgive us for the ways that we have failed you. Renew our faith. Renew our hope. Renew our obedience. And let us rejoice in Christ at the end of this year, 2020. And it's in His name that we pray. Amen.